Post podcast. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Pym, and what I like to do here on the podcast is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to talk about sex and sexuality with me. Today, I'm super excited. This has been a long time coming, everybody. Um, and I love this introduction. Okay. I wrote it myself. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. The guest did. Um, <laughs> but I'm stealing it for my own my own selfish purposes. Okay, sex educator, pleasure mentor and former sex worker, but forever sex work advocate. Please welcome to the pod, everyone, Kiana. Hello. Yeah. You can definitely steal that and I love it. run with it however you want. It's so good. I love it. Yeah, I started using it because I had no idea how to talk about sex work if I'm not actively in it. And I do know that sex work is one of those fields that you can easily slip in and out of your whole life. I yes. hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, a retired sex worker, retired stripper, retired this. And then a few years later, like, yeah, I'm back in it. And it's mm-hmm. the most in and out field I've ever seen. And so I'm not in it and don't have any intentions of being in it anymore. But I also know that there's always a possibility. So I'm like, you know what? Forever advocate. And if you see me in again, then just, you know, mind your business. <laughs> just know that you need to mind your, your very own business. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree because there's also like so many different types of sex work, right? It's like, okay, oh, yeah. maybe I'm like a retired escort, but then, but then, you know, I started stripping or, you know, exactly. maybe I just do online now um, mm-hmm. or whatever. Or maybe I switch to like a more kinky kind of field Mm. like and that I feel like yeah we all kind of just waft in between all of these different (laughs) things and personas just as it serves us you know exactly amazing um so I think perhaps we'll start with what even is a pleasure mentor yeah let's do that I I actually want to find more of me because I know that more of me exists. I really do. So if you're listening to this and this is you, please find me. Um, But coach, so coach is really the word and I'll explain why I use the word mentor in a bit. But like an overall coach, there's so many just niches of coaching, right? There's life coach, there's dating coaches, there's pleasure coaches, there's specifically like sex coaches, there's... There's a lot of different kinds of coaches, and I know that that word can be generic. Some folks, you know, respect that word. Other people delegitimize it. And so pleasure coach, I will explain more specifically, is anything to do with pleasure, anything to do with the erotic. And so I do talk about sex with every client that I have, and I think that that's what most people would assume that I talk about. But we also talk about anything that has to do with pleasure. So for some people, that's figuring out how to feel more gender euphoric on a day-to-day basis, not just Mm. in sex. For other folks, that's learning how to explore non-monogamy in potentially a relationship where like, there's a mixed orientation. One person is monogamous by orientation, other is non-monogamous. Sometimes that means folks just diving more into their everyday self-care routine. The pandemic changed a lot of things for a lot of people. And a lot of folks are trying to figure out how to reconnect with themselves on a broader basis than just sex. And so it's, it really is anything that has to do with pleasure, anything that has to do with sensuality or just like connecting to yourself. Yeah. Um, can you tell me like the different, maybe the different background you have surrounding all this? Like what are, cause it sounds like there's a few different facets, um, mm-hmm. of your practice that are all kind of coming together. Can you talk about just like break that down a little bit of like, maybe, I don't know, mindfulness sounds like it's one, mm. you know, maybe talk, break that down a bit more for us. Yeah. I have a background in women's and gender studies and sociology more formally in school. Mm -hmm. And I think that set me up to just really be intrigued about the systems and the larger, more environmental factors that help us help us in some ways and hinder us in other ways. And so I like to think about what about us 
that is not in our control, is kind of outside of our control or bigger than us, makes us who we are? And then what are the parts of ourselves that kind of come out more authentically or and have always been there? And I don't think there's like a very clear separation all the time, but I really like to balance the two of what is, you know, more nurture, what's more nature. Yeah. And that's where that started. And it led me into being a sex educator in a more formal way, like in a nonprofit setting where we were talking about anatomy, relationship dynamics, talking primarily to younger folks who are still in school, even because for some reason people think adults don't need sexuality education. In fact, they need it the most. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, oh, you turned 18? Bet. Done. You're good. Yeah. So I was doing that in a more formal setting and there was still a lot of respectability politics in that that I did not enjoy. So I took to the internet like every other millennial slash Gen Z cusp out there Yep. and just started (laughs) informally (laughs) educating myself, informally educating others through more anecdotal stories and then some through the education that I've had more formally And just developed a voice and realized I really care about these things and have a lot to say and seem to help other folks reflect just by sharing my own story. And so I just, I I got more niche into what I wanted to talk about. And when I started doing sex work, that gave me a very different perspective also of intimacy overall about intimacy, consent, gender expression, gender identity, how we relate to people in very intimate ways. And that is a really big part of how I see my work with clients now, understanding the ways that people want to share with folks that they think will hold space for them. And then really learning what people's real desires are, what their insecurities are, what their anxieties are. And so I just kind of take all of the different, more formal and less formal education and life experience that I have and put that into the work that I have now. And I am in no way a therapist, so I'm not necessarily, you know, talking about your mental health with you in a more clinical way, but I am definitely talking about mindfulness. I really love relating everything back to how do we connect to like the most natural elements around us, like nature and our body and those that are closest to us, our interpersonal relationships. And so it it really does differ depending upon the client. We do a lot of talking, but I also really love to do movement play and visualization Mm -hmm. and arts. And there's, there's really no limit to what we can do to get to wherever we want to go in session. Wow, that's amazing. There's so much uh, about what you just talked about that jumped out at me, like this thing of like, um, adults don't need sex education or pleasure coaching or anything. It's like, and in in class, you know, in school, when you're a kid, you also didn't, I mean, you got anatomy lessons, maybe, and some Mm. schools maybe gave you a bit more, but like, this element of like, relationships, you know what I mean, is not Mm -hmm. something that we learned in like, formal sex education. And that's something that um, I feel like I'd love to ask this question to you. I feel like that's something that we as adults all struggle with, right? Is like yes. sex, sexuality, dating relationships, all of this, this all together. Um, mm-hmm. uh, is that like a really common thread for people that come and see you? Incredibly common. I've started saying this thing that I, I, I really don't know how well it lands. Um, everyone seems to <laughs> laugh when I say it. Um, but I say to my clients when they seem to be at a point where they're just kind of trying to skate around the question of asking, am I normal? (laughs) Is this okay? Which is what most people are really trying to ask at the end of the day. And I say, so with so much love and care that you're, you're very special, but you are not that unique (laughs) because everyone's story is very similar, (laughs) very similar. Sometimes I'll have three clients in a day and I feel like I just heard the same thing, but just maybe with different language or maybe the folks had different life backgrounds but truly they're dealing with the same things and we just don't talk about it yeah and we're all being like we were all failed in the same way from the sex education system you know what i mean like yes we all had the same holes in our sex education um that we're now as adults like trying to pick up the pieces trying to fill them in and figure them out you know what i mean and i think it's like relationships it's the relationship thing um, yes, probably most and d- more on the forefront, but that whole element of like your relationship with yourself and your own body, like that's a part that um, is underneath there, right? Like yes. there's like the symptom, 
is like their mm-hmm. relationship issues that they're having those struggles but like you're gonna come back home to like really find out the root of that yes and I don't know why people think that if you learn even if you learned about sex or if you feel like you learned about your body learned about your identity then that's just it you did it and it's like it's a it's a solvable thing and there's an end it's a class you to took. this yeah and I'm like no this is a constant learning because what you liked when you were 20 is not what you're gonna like when you are 40 and who you were with this person is not who you're gonna be with this person and things happen in your life and you change and so it's a constant learning so there is no such thing as like okay folks have had enough information or they've they've done enough reflection it's it's just this constant like oh who am I now what do I like now what do I need now Yeah, I imagine that um, being a pleasure and sexuality coach has opened up to how you think about sex. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, I feel like I know less about (laughs) my own sex life. I feel like I'm like, oh, oh my God, I have so much to learn. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, I have so much to discover about myself. Not that I was ever in a place where I was like, yeah, I got this. I'm incredible. I'm amazing. But I I think people have this perception that we must know what we're doing all the time. We must always have the best sex, never have any dry spells, never go through anxieties or insecurities. And really, I've only found more because I've opened myself up more (laughs) and heard more people's stories. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's that that I didn't consider. Or there's literally no right way to do it. (laughs) Yeah, there's no right way to do it. And how I did it on Monday is not the same as Tuesday. So I think I've just become a lot more open to being neutral when it comes to how I think about myself and my relationship to sex and sexuality and my relationship to my partner and like our sex life it just has kind of humbled me to be like oh I'm forever a student and I I know what I don't I know what I know and I know I know that I don't know a lot and I'm not as hurts like bruised when I realize there's more for me to learn I'm I'm more so just excited and not that surprised anymore nice yeah I'm like coming to that um recently with myself I'm like I've been a kink professional for like a number of years at this point like I have my Mm -hmm. my fourth anniversary at my current employment um right now where I'm a pro dom and Mm. just recently at the staff meeting like we were talking about like um I used to go to a lot of classes in person when that was happening. And then pandemic, I, I kind of, you know, for me, online learning is difficult. Like sitting through a Zoom mm-hmm. class is really difficult and not appealing at all to me. So I kind of stopped doing that. And then we kind of had a talk at a staff meeting recently where it's like, um, you know, just a reminder, you can come to any of the Zoom classes for free. And I'm like, you know what? Yes, I need to get back in the mindset of student you know what I mean Mm. like yeah I don't like zoom classes and whatever but I'm sure there's also a part of me that thought I'm I'm more experienced than I used to and maybe I don't really need to do that anymore and that's just not true you know what I mean yes like I need to and and I'm like yeah I think I think this is what I need to do this is my short-term plan to like start going back to classes consistently Mm. I love that realization yeah I cannot imagine how how much fuller like your doming experience will be if you just continue to be like you know what there's there's more for me to know yeah so much more like and that's the thing with sex and sexuality and kink and everything gender literally and intimacy dating relationships it's like you can never as you said you can never be done learning yeah you know it's not something you can completely learn so yeah Yeah. just keep i also wonder why people would want to have a mentor or a teacher or a therapist mm-hmm. who knows everything not that that's <laughs> it's not even possible actually but why would you want to be learning from someone like that i think that it's a bit of a red us, flag honestly it, it's a huge red flag if yeah. you're the person that you work with cannot admit that they're still learning things or also be able to relate to you on a very human experience of oh yeah i'm 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 also going through that or i've been through that or I can understand that even if I haven't been through that. So I think there's there's this element of putting folks in this profession on a pedestal like we do with, I think, mm-hmm. a lot of things. Um, but like I say, dentists still go to the dentist. Uh, <laughs> therapists have therapists. Like, we're all working on our own things. 
Yeah, totally. And sometimes I feel like <laughs> some people that facilitate, you know, whatever, sometimes they're the worst offenders of like oh my not God. following their own advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the, <laughs> how they pass it forward is through like they know they're terrible and they know what they need. Oh, to yes. <laughs> it's like you would not believe it. Enough times to know how to, you know, how to not fail. But, <laughs> it, but yeah. Exactly. <laughs> We teach what we need to know for hey, sure. That's it. That is exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that something that, um, does that ring true to you when you think about like, you know, how you relate to your work? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I, I don't, sometimes I even think I should push myself beyond what I'm just going through and try to learn some other things, but it does come most naturally to me when I am writing about, talking about things that are just affecting me in my own personal life and then trying to get, you know, a broader perspective beyond just my own personal experience and learn a bit more. And then yeah, like with your videos too. and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's so, a good idea. Yeah, I'm just like, you know, whatever's personally interesting me, I'm probably going to be able to show that or teach that in a more authentic way anyway. Mm-hmm, so I try mm-hmm. to just stick to to what I know to an extent, like, yes, you know, continuous learning is always important, but whether, you know, if I'm speaking about this in, in both ways, if it's like a sex education realm, I, you know, really love to teach about things that I am going through. So I was non-monogamous for a long time. And so I taught more about non-monogamy at that time. And Mm -hmm. I know less about sensory play, but like I have a colleague that knows a lot about that. So I try to let them be the one to speak about that because it's going to be, I think a lot more, I don't know, genuine coming from them. And, you know, in the sex worker way, I learned also the same thing where I was like, you know what, I could try to get good at everything and try to be able to make content about everything to appeal to as many people as possible, Mm -hmm. have a larger customer base, make more money. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that's, that's not going to come off as authentic. If I'm not really into this type of play, why don't I leave that to someone who really does enjoy making that content? I should just focus on what actually fuels me, gives me pleasure or what I like to perform really well. And I think that will get me a more you know, long-term invested audience base. And so I think, I just think that's a good rule of thumb for me across the whole board. Yeah, I agree. Like, um, specificity, you know, um, mm-hmm. is so much more interesting, I think, than just like general broad strokes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah, you can be more specific when it's like part of your lived experience. So, um, yes. And there's room to not know. There's room to not know. There's room to be like, you know what, I, yes, I'm a sex educator, but that does not mean I know how to educate anyone about everything. And that doesn't mean that I know, you know, the facts of everything. I also know how to be like, oh, you know, I don't know. I'll look that up. Or I don't know, maybe you could look that up on your own because there are people who are going to have a different niche than me and maybe I can point them in their direction. There's no need to feel like we have to take up all the space in in this field or in any field I can very much teach what I'm good at teaching at and hopefully grow over time but I know that I don't have to know everything yeah and that's a fabulous thing from my work also like um just having this staff meeting is fresh in my head so it's like there's a bunch of us there you know there's eight of us that work at the ritual chamber as Mm -hmm. predominance and we all have you know such varied skill sets and styles Mm. and looks and energies and um like practices you know like like core beliefs surrounding like our our kink practice and all and all this stuff right it's like you all have uh appeal right like yes for for bookings right so like don't think don't compare yourself to each other you know Mm. is really important because you're all so unique and just like you said like you're all special um Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like and and they're special but also like there are lots of people that want what you're doing like that's Mm -hmm. their common interests the stuff that you know um your personalities and your your energies and your uh all the specific fine skills that you facilitate it's like there are your people everywhere so like you're special but also it's like really common and and you know and and people will be drawn to you if you're just kind of your authentic self and we all complement each other and you know if you can't do the one thing. Well, look, there's seven other lovely humans in this room. Um, yeah. And we're not taking away from each other's businesses or whatever by doing that. 
because there's it's endless, you know? Yeah. Do you have a time when you feel like you were maybe trying to step outside of your wheelhouse and you had to learn, you know what, maybe that's actually not for me to do. Let me just get really good at what I know. Yeah, I think when I was really, um, when I was, was really first starting out as a professional, you know, there was this kind of stereotypical dominatrix uh, that you think is going to be the most marketable, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what's like commonly presented presented to us in media from like TV to movies and like whatever else beyond that. Um, but usually, you know, those stereotypes are like, those stories are, are written by people who... Um, you know, are, are white men, old white men, yeah. first of all. Um, <laughs> but also, like, first of all. <laughs> people that don't have authentic experience in those industries. So, like, why are we trying to be informed by these stereotypes when it's, like, again, that thing of, like, if I'm just uniquely, authentically myself, which is actually more of a playful style of domination, mm. um, then there's, you know, there's no reason that I have to do this other thing, really. Um, because there's somebody that there's going to be lots of people that like come to me uh, rather than a super stern looking person on social media that always presents in role, that kind of like, you know, punishment type role. Uh, People maybe Mm. are going to feel a little less intimidated. So maybe I'll get more newbies, you know, if I present that (laughs) playful style. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm great with new people who are new to kink. Those are some of my favorite clients, like people who are just trying things and figuring things out and want the building blocks and the basics to start their kinky journeys. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that. Did you find that at all? Were you trying to like fit yourself into a box and then, um, discarded said cardboard box (laughs) (laughs) yeah in the recycling definitely definitely (laughs) I I thought I just had to make all sorts of videos I you think you know porn until you make it honestly because then you're like oh my god I'm making especially in the era of platforms like OnlyFans where there's a lot of I mean it is literally like other forms of social media where the there's pressure to make so much content and post so consistently yes um that I was just running out of ideas and I felt like, oh, I've done the things that just came really naturally to me. How do I get more creative or how can I broaden what what I do? Yeah, now what? And then I realized how much there is out there to do and I tried to do some things that just didn't feel authentic to me, especially when it came to custom videos, which I thought I really loved to do until I realized that people really just ask for a very large range of things and you may not actually be equipped to do those things or maybe you don't or desire to, don't to do those to. things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but there's this there's this pull to make the money and also keep the client and so yeah. there was definitely that learning curve of oh shit, okay, I'm I'm just I'm going to do this. Realize I hated like I hated it while I was making the video, while I edited the video. Uh, yeah. And then the money didn't actually even feel as good to me cuz I was like, "Ooh, I didn't I didn't like that one. Like, I, I'm not going to do that again. And But then I would get pulled into another situation where I'm like, oh, well, maybe this time and maybe this time. And, and it's okay to explore. I definitely did find things I did like by exploring. But I think there was there were times where my body knew I definitely didn't want to do something. And I was like, yeah, but it's tolerable. Like, I would definitely say no to a lot of things that felt super against my boundaries. But there were... Yeah. Yeah, hard no's. There were things that were like in between a maybe and a no. And I learned maybe that's not for me and I don't have to be everything because I'm sure these people are subscribed to multiple people or also just visit multiple sites. So if I can't fulfill this custom order for them, that's okay. They'll find somebody else who can and I don't have to be everything to them. Yeah, hundred percent. You don't always have to say yes, though. It's like that thing of, you know, financially, it's like you feel like you do have to say yes to everything and you can't refuse work. You know, not everybody's in a financial position where they can say no to work. And then it's that thing that is layered on top of it of like, oh, well, maybe it's just supposed to feel like this. Like, Mm. you know what I mean? Like maybe, you know, just some days are harder than others and some clients are harder than others and some requests are harder than others. And Mm -hmm. that's just kind of the nature of the job. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I think you're right. I think there are just some days and some clients that are harder than others. And I feel like this is where, the conversation of sex work it's really tricky with those who are not in sex work Mm -hmm. um who bring up the 
conversation around consent of like, well, how could that be consensual then if you're doing something you don't want to do? And, you know, even if folks explain, well, you know, you do things for money sometimes and like that yeah. it is what it is. I'm still saying yes to it, even though if, if I get that, like ethically, it feels a little gray. But I just think that sex work is this is, I don't know, a way to explain the larger larger ways that we all participate in labor because I don't think it's that different, right? If I... Yeah, it's any job. You know, like It's any job. I'm yeah. going to do things I don't want to do and don't like to do. And there are some things that maybe I can or will say no to. And other things, it's just a part of my job description. Or maybe I just didn't actually stick to my boundary that day. And I, I broke my own boundary and said I would do something that I didn't want to do or have the energy to do. And yeah. folks don't really seem to have a problem with that. But when, when it's, it's another job... <laughs> yeah, when 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 sex enters the conversation, people really have this like visceral reaction to saying yes or saying no to things. And I'm like, I think sex work just kind of is this microcosm that shows people what the whole world actually looks like. Yeah, like sex work is work is work, meaning like sex work it operates under capitalism meaning like all jobs operate under capitalism and how capitalism is like not allowing us to consent fully to like what we're doing every single day. We don't get to make exactly. that decision. It's like, that's what sex work is work means. Mm. <laughs> yeah. it's, like it's a J-O-B. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. And I think, yeah, it's that thing you're saying all the gray murky area of consent right it's like consent is not black and white consent is like okay i'm getting this custom video and it's like does this price feel right or do i want to charge more Mm. to feel better about this how messy is this going to be in my apartment am i gonna have to buy shit um that will contribute to the cost like is this a day that i wanted to take off but now i have to work so Mm. is it a time of day like is the deadline too tight where then Maybe I don't oh want to God, do it for that yes. reason. Maybe there's someone in the apartment that day, like a roommate or your partner's home that day or something yeah. that makes it feel more laborious than usual or a, 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 literally a gazillion reasons yeah. can affect how you feel about literally doing anything ever. Mm. Um And it's not that black and white. So it's like the thing of trying to manage all of these factors in a way that feels... Um, as good for you as possible, you know. Those were great examples. I loved those. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a thing when you're kind of like, like uh, if you're, you know, like doing the OnlyFans thing or something like that. That's something, that's stuff you have to think about because you create your schedule, you know, Mm -hmm. you create your rates, Um, you create the content and how that looks and all of that. And um, you, you, you know, create the format for how you, Uh, are available to clients and in in what way so it's like that stuff you got to really pay attention to how all of that makes you feel yeah and you create the environment and that's yes that's kind of hard I ran a sex worker support group um I don't know maybe a year and a half ago and Uh it was really cool to see the multitude of parts of the field that came together in that group and how we related in so many ways and also had vastly different experiences based on the type of sex work that we did, Uh um, how long we had done it, when we did it, it, what part of the country or the world it was, it was very interesting to see all of those commonalities and juxtapositions and something that the people who had only ever done online talked about or the folks that used to do in-person work and then because the pandemic switched to online work talked Mm -hmm. about was the difficulty of creating a work environment, which everyone learned in the pandemic. I think if you switched to working from home, if you were that person. Yep. And I think that it was, it was just a different kind of pressure for sex workers to be like, Oh, I'm not going to the dungeon anymore where I get ready at home. And so I'm, I'm literally creating this persona. If you have one, or I'm getting into this headspace, mm-hmm. I'm then leaving my apartment, going somewhere else that has this different energy already there. And then someone else is showing up there. And then I leave it behind possibly uh, when I leave the building. Like mm-hmm. I'm, if mm-hmm. I'm just in my room, like I woke up there I got dressed there and then I made the video all in the same space, all in the same bed. And that's, I think, mentally and emotionally a very different thing to deal with, which is why I say, like, just because you're a sex worker doesn't mean you can do all parts of sex work. It's just like any other field where maybe you are a, 
I don't know, a doctor, but it doesn't mean that you can do what a pediatrician does if you're a brain surgeon or if you are a radiologist. Like they're all, they all require different skills and different types of emotional work and labor that you want to put into it. And I really loved online sex work for the fact that I could work from home. I could create my own schedule. I could, you know, batch make content while I was feeling good and then not work for a little while and do more administrative and advertisement things and not have to show up in a certain way when a client necessarily wanted me to. But at the same time, I I was someone who really struggled with creating a persona for myself, any kind of like erotic alter ego. I showed up pretty much as my full self and That also meant that it was really hard to have clearer boundaries. Me and like, you know, the person and the name that I was like logging on to felt so intrinsically the same that I was taking a lot of things personally. It just, it it led to a lot of emotional, yeah, it was just emotionally difficult. Talked about it a lot in therapy where my therapist was like, maybe you need to come up with you know, more rituals to start your day with when you actually start work. So you feel like you are stepping into someone else because maybe you're not, mm-hmm. you know, I was a part of like the um, natural and like hairy niche. So no mm-hmm. makeup, um, you know, lots of body hair. And, and, and that's how I am already. So yeah. I was like, there is no getting ready for work. Yeah. Like it's, it's gotta it's be exactly... like a mental, emotional getting ready then. Because yeah. it's not a physical kind of ritual of putting on makeup or doing your hair or getting the dom gear or whatever. Exactly. It's, it's got to be look different for you. Yeah. Exactly. And so it was like, you know, I created a playlist where I only listened to this playlist for work. I was never going to listen to it outside of that. That way I didn't, you know, psychologically equate the yeah, two. And so I knew when yeah. I was listening to this, this is the mode I'm getting into or just, you know, whatever tricks work for the individual, but it was definitely a lot more work to create a separation. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA. And they have sexy themed events running all the time. Here's just a few as I'm scrolling through their Instagram, which is located at Club M4 Events. We have threesome Fridays. We have a sexy plus size play party. A night revolving around mini skirts. Naughty on a school night. Ooh, and a bi pleasure Wednesday night dedicated to all things oral. Well, if that doesn't get you excited enough, you can head on over to their website at clubm4.com to investigate even further. The club is located at 1989A Dundas Street East in Mississauga. You can come by and see what a club made for swingers by swingers is all about. I think that's, again, like something that a lot of fucking people dealt with because suddenly now you're working on your phone and guess what you Mm. always have your phone in your purse or pocket or beside you always all day if you're doing that thing where you're like now working from home it's like well now you're always working because your phone guess what is always right there so it's that thing of trying to create boundaries surrounding even boundaries surrounding your phone like I had a wellness domination ongoing client uh throughout the pandemic and Mm -hmm. one of the main things she wanted to work on with was her boundaries with her phone (laughs) wow and we like just charted all her hours on whatever apps you know we got one of those apps that tracks it and stuff like that and um yeah trying to fill her schedule with these other kind of mindful activities instead of just mindlessly scrolling on Facebook um you know 
and oh, stuff I'm like so that. I'm so intrigued by that. Yeah, and uh, she was like a chart slut for sure. So she loved mm. to chart things, <laughs> loved to chart her progress, mm-hmm. loved to see, you know, lines like going up and mm. going down, depending on like, you know, if they, she's kind of containing her usage and stuff. Yep. And her mindfulness activities slowly going up over a long period of time. <laughs> it's like she loved tracking all of that. That was like part of it. I for love her, for this sure. person. She was the best. Yeah. <laughs> Did that person come to you for that reason or that just kind of became a part of your relationship? That person did come to me with that in mind. Yeah. What was going to happen was we were going to uh, do some sessions in person. Pandemic happened. So we did some online consultations. So we just talked Mm -hmm. about her kinky journey and stuff like that. And then eventually approached me to be like, I'm thinking of this thing. Is this something, Mm. some sort of an ongoing dynamic you would be interested in, you know, uh, guiding me throughout? And Mm. I was like, oh my God, yes. For you, yes. (laughs) Not for everybody. But since I had known her in a few different ways at that point, I was like, yeah, this is really interesting to me. And we'd like, yeah, just chart things. And then like once a week, I, I think we, you know, had a little zoom and looked at the charts mm. and everything and talked about how all well that felt. And like, sometimes the dissonance of like, if the chart says it's getting better, but I don't feel better. So maybe there Ooh. are other factors that we need to pay attention to and chart. And mm. yeah, it was very interesting, kind of, she also had um, was, uh, did like some behavioral therapy, had that, that as a background for her as well. So like she had a lot of the tools to like have this be a really good collaboration. Um, Mm. yeah, real cool. I love that this person came to you with that. Like it wasn't even something that you suggested because I feel like most folks don't know what they can even ask from their like sex work relationship. Yeah. And like not, you know, not everyone is going to be into something like that, but it's worth asking and it's worth exploring a more expansive erotic relationship than just being like, oh, we can only do this one thing together. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Always, always ask, never assume is a, is a great mm. thing. Um, mm-hmm. for, for sex work, uh, if you're talking to sex workers or wanting something from them, that's a lovely thing. Just, just ask, <laughs> just ask, literally yes. ask and we'll say no. And you will find somebody that's better suited to do that activity with you. <laughs> exactly that. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. I feel like, um, maybe we'll move on from the sex work stuff. Um, I want to know what it's like for you to work with clients, um, in your, in your field as a pleasure, a pleasure coach and Mm -hmm. a pleasure mentor. Um, maybe how that feels different Mm. than, I know we said we'd move on from sex work, but (laughs) maybe as a launching point, maybe how this feels different for you. Hmm. You know what? I've never actually really thought about it. Like sat and thought about what's your hot take. Yeah. Does this feel similar? Does this feel different? It's probably why I, I mean, I've always really enjoyed one-on-one settings, um, in my friendships, relationships. And so it makes sense that I really want to work with people one-on-one or in partners sessions, but I'm sure that sex work definitely allowed me to witness being vulnerable in those ways with people and having people be vulnerable with me in a very one-on-one dynamic like that and so it feels very natural for me to do I didn't have a lot of one-on-one coaching experience before just jumping into being a coach I had a lot of facilitation experience I did a lot of group work large groups small groups not a lot of one-on-one but I felt incredibly prepared to do so and maybe that's just because I was used to the you know client provider relationship of sex work and it already being a space where there's you know a power dynamic to work through Mm -hmm. there is someone who's clearly coming to me for a certain need and you know we need to figure out like what what can we actually do for each other because I think it's a two-way street not just a one-way street um but I man I I just I love my job I really do I love being a pleasure mentor it's the most exciting part of my work right now I cannot believe that people trust me enough and trust themselves enough to say the things that they say to me. That's the most exciting part of it is just hearing people say things out loud, hearing people verbalize things that they never thought they would be able to piece together or never thought they could say to someone else or thought for the first time in a session. And 
it's it's just such a humanizing experience because it really is so common the things that people are feeling and I relate so much to the things that people say I learn so much from the things that we come up with together as solutions for what they can work on the goals that they have sometimes become my own personal goals sometimes there's and for example this one client we have come up with like a a care chart for them so this this is kind of now spread to multiple clients um and so <laughs> it, was, it was such a good it idea was so good. it was so good <laughs> i was like again. ooh, yeah there's there's this thing that people do which is when i ask them like what's pleasurable for you in life like what do you enjoy doing what makes you feel most like yourself mm. a lot of people don't know what to say and i'm like oh no, no it's not that you don't have things i just don't think that you've taken the time to name them before but I promise you you have things that you really enjoy doing or that make you like return to self and so once we explore that a bit and we've laid them all out they're like oh my god I I have these tools at my disposal and I'm like okay well let's create a chart where we can put these on here so when you're in your moments of not knowing what to do, how to take care of yourself, how to relax, how to connect, how to feel sensual. You can go back to this chart because you already have the answers. I did not come up with them for you. I just helped you kind of organize them. And so we did it on this chart where there is energy on one axis and pleasure on the other. And so it started because I have a lot of clients that have chronic pain and we know that there are some things that they really enjoy doing, but on a you know, a day where their pain is flaring up, maybe they can't do some of these things that would bring them pleasure or make them feel relaxed. Sure. And so what can they do that is within their wheelhouse that, you know, is lower energy wise. And so it's on an axis where like, if it's, you know, in the upper right hand corner, that probably means it's higher on the energy side and also higher on the pleasure side. So maybe that's baking. It takes a lot of energy to, you know, cook or bake, but maybe it brings you a ton of pleasure. Mm -hmm. But if you're lower on the energy axis and also higher on the pleasure axis, maybe that's reading. Reading doesn't take a lot of energy. You can lay in your bed. You can be, you know, whatever kind of clothes you want. You don't have to exert a lot of energy, but you can receive a lot of pleasure. So we just came up with this chart and it's now so individual to each person that I work with. And they can use this to be like, what do I want to do today? What do I have energy for? How much pleasure do I want to feel? Maybe this is the activity that I do. And I was like, wait a minute, I need that for myself. I don't know how I'm talking about this and I've never done it. (laughs) So I just adopt a lot of things from session, a lot. I love that because it sounds like it's more of like a collaboration that's that's happening, right? It's like you two found that together for the first time. And yeah. then you're like, oh my God, this is good. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it with other clients. You use it. You use it with, <laughs> with whomever else you want to share it with. Like, awesome. Yes. <laughs> Skillshare. <laughs> exactly. A Skillshare. And this podcast is brought to you by Skillshare. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love this thing, this idea, though, of like the accessibility of pleasure, you know, mm-hmm. of sensuality, of connection. It's like, I think this is something I do for sure. So at the very least... I know I do it, but it's like you, mm-hmm. you can create these invisible boundaries of like, you don't have access to, to mm. all of these things, to freedom, to pleasure, to happiness, mm-hmm. like to feeling good, to whatever. And it's like, um, you know, if we really kind of start small and like, what are the things in this apartment? You know, if saying leaving the apartment is not something I can do for whatever reason, it's like, mm-hmm. what is here that I can do? Can I take a hot shower? Those always feel just so mm. fabulous. They refresh you or they relax you. They like all of these things, right? It's like, take a long ass hot shower. Um, you know, ha- really enjoy that tea in the morning. Like, mm-hmm. um, just like the small little things, like make a list of, you know, your to-do stuff so it's not in your head. Yeah. I think maybe it's like we think of, you know, again, those like high energy activities, you know, it's like, oh, going to the beach. I never do mm-hmm. that. I can never do that. I haven't done that enough this summer. It's like, or, or a long hike or something like yeah. that, or like go on a trip. It's like, okay. Yes, that's great too. Um, for when, when, and where you can manage to make those things happen. But like, let's talk about what's really within your control on a daily basis. You know, what do we have access to as far as pleasure and sensuality? So I think that's really doing that charting thing. 
um, is really so brilliant for, for that reason. It's like, okay, you can't do this maybe, but what can you do? Mm -hmm. Cause there's something, there's a few things, there's options even. Yeah. There's always something. And I think it just takes a little bit of the guesswork out of it is, you know, doing, it's doing this care it, it, ahead of time. It's not always, you know, something that we can think of in the moment when we're really like down and we need something. Yes. But if you've done the work to create your own toolbox ahead of time, I think that just sets you up for a lot more success. Yeah, definitely. Which is why, yeah, having a coach such as yourself, yes. having a mentor such as yourself is so brilliant because it's like, okay, yeah. let's create this plan for you so that when you are, you know, having those lower moments, um, you can have this thing to, as a reference to refer to, you know? Yeah. And don't do it on your own. Like that's, that's why people have therapists and friends yeah. and coaches and like, you know, the, these people who help you see things that you cannot see or help, you know, name the thing that you said in a different way. I, I think the, the thing about this self-care era that we're in that folks eventually tend to dislike and puts a bad taste in their mouth is there's just mm. a lot of relying on individualism and doing everything on your own and feeling like you need to be everything for yourself and take care of yourself in all of these ways and always be working on yourself and always be thinking and reflecting and fixing and I'm like whoa that is it's not the point it's yeah. also just not the goal it's not the point it's a, it's a really unsustainable goal if that's something that you have for yourself we are very communal beings and you know need need community care in this conversation about self-care as well yeah yeah, hundred percent. Use yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm another person that's guilty of that, right? Thinking that you just have to do it all yourself, right? Because you're burdening mm -hmm. people, even people that are very close to you and would love to drop everything and help you. You know what I mean? It's like, no, no. Yeah. I can. I'm. I'm good. I'm fine. That's that thing of just having trouble reaching out and stuff like that. And it's like you have a again a, a thing that in your head maybe there's a barrier of like, no, I have to. I have to do this by myself. And it's like. Nobody ever have said that to you ever. Nope. <laughs> like, and you have these people who would love to help you, just dying to help you, really. Mm. You know, just mm. say the word. And, like, it's just that mental barrier um, yeah. of actually being like, yes, I will reach out. I will ask for help, you know. Yes. Yeah. And in, also in this era of boundaries being a really, right. you know, front and center conversation, which is great. Yep. Um, but I think there's this, this thing that I keep hearing, which is like people feeling like they can't rely on others because that might be, you know, infringing people's boundaries. Yeah. 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 Infringing on their energy. Like it's, it's toxic or it's too codependent. I'm like, Oh, Whoa, Jesus. I think we have taken all this too far. Yeah. I think that's, um, yeah, I agree. It's like, you shouldn't have to monitor, uh, that for other people, you know, you shouldn't, you, mm. you can't, you can possibly anticipate and know whether they will have energy for this thing, um, yeah. to help with you with emotional energy, whatever the hell it is. And again, it's the thing of like, you know, well, you can ask, you can certainly ask <laughs> and know what that's on the other person to respond with what they can help. Like that fits in their boundaries of that day. And you have to Absolutely. trust them that they will do that, you know, and you can even ask and then offer like, in what way, you know, tell mm. me in what specific way you could maybe help me with this. Would it be this, you know, then maybe give them multiple choice to like, what, mm -hmm. in what way can they help you? Yeah. I love yeah. that. That's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> you can use it. It's yours. It's yours. Anyone listening, it's yours. Take it. Yes. Run with it. Yeah. We've got two good ideas. It's that, <laughs> it's that uh, map of like the pleasure map. Yes. <laughs> and then it's that. And multiple choice. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause I mean, I do that, um, uh, to help clients kind of give me information before we do a session together. That's something I do because like sometimes I ask questions, they just don't have the answers for stuff because maybe they're new to kink mm -hmm. because I, I look friendly in my photos and that's why my book, that's why they booked me. <laughs> and so I've had to develop these tools of being like, okay, I'm going to ask you questions about like what we're going to do today. It's okay to not have the answers, but like for some of the stuff where I feel like I would need more information, then I'm going to give mm -hmm. them some options. You know, what type of an energy are you looking to hit on today? How about this yes. or this or maybe this or even this thing, you know, what kind of activities? Okay, here are a bunch of options and, you know, go from there maybe. 
Wow, I just think I think sex ed- uh, sex workers are the most like brilliant people in the whole world. <laughs> I really do like. There are some smarties. The certainly. Most adaptable, savvy, just energetically attuned people that I've met. Yeah, and I think maybe it's that thing again, that that thing as adults we're all lacking was that relationship education, you know, interpersonal yeah. kind of communication. Uh, I, I think that's something that sex workers specifically have worked on, you know, to mm-hmm. develop. And that's, you know, how you have longevity longevity in, in these types of careers. It's like, that's thing, those are things you're good at. But yeah, most people aren't in guess what those people weren't either when they first started right Um, practice yeah practice and and it's like that's why i think a lot of sex workers appear to just be kind of brilliant is because (laughs) a lot of people don't have those skills unless you really are working on them specifically they did for their job Mm -hmm. (laughs) but everybody should be (laughs) yeah just for life stuff in in out in the world not at your job yes yeah Mm. Um, are there specific things that you're really passionate about in your practice, like specific, um, either themes that you like to hit on or like when somebody comes to you with something and you're like, yes, this is my favorite thing to work on. Let's do this. Anything jump to mind? Ooh, Uh, yeah. Um, one thing I really love is when folks want to talk about spirituality pretty explicitly. Ooh. And that does not mean we have to have the same spiritual practice, to be clear. But when they want to incorporate that into their practice of pleasure, that's, I mean, that is just like my bread and butter is thinking that they are one and the same. And I know that societally we still don't see it that way. So it's really my favorite when people come to session, no matter where they're at in their own spiritual journey and how much they know or don't know, but when they're like, yeah, I know that this is bigger than me. I know that the problems that I'm seeing are not just mine alone to solve. And, you know, it's not all on me. And maybe this also came before me and this, some of this will probably happen after me too. But like, how do we, how do we connect like this, like larger um, understanding of either the world or energy or spirit, whatever people call something and like myself as a being. And I'm like, yeah, let's talk about that. Or, you know, when we're talking about, even when we're talking about sex, the, the understanding that there's not, there's not like a lack of something spiritual happening. Like I think sex is, can, is very spiritual. doesn't mean it can't be casual or raunchy or whatever. Like that's, I think people associate when I say things like that with like, oh, it must be very soft and slow and I'm like no 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 spirit is in is in everything that we do and Mm. I just keep trying to move away from this part of the work where it's very white and very western and very colonial where we see all of this as separate Mm. I don't think people will get as far in their healing if they don't understand that there's like a lot more connected to this and that we're all very interconnected and we all may have very different lineages and different practices and things that like our people have done and I think we should honor that and like you know stay in our own lanes but we all do have a version of that and so I really enjoy when I've had a few clients come in who are like yeah I really love herbs and I'm gonna be honest I don't know much about herbs but that's okay because Mm -hmm. I can still try to work with them I'm like okay let's bring your knowledge and my knowledge and figure out how you know this can help you know further you in whatever way you want to work on and I have another client who's like you know oh I'm initiated into this and this is what I've been working on I'm like great let's talk about it and I don't have to know everything that you're saying but I do love and respect that this is important to you and like let's bring that into the room and not think that this is some kind of separate space where like when you enter this container you have to leave all of that behind because I think it's very much in the room and so I tend to ask folks if they have some kind of practice they want to do entering and exiting the room before and after care, essentially, mm-hmm. where I'm like, how can you ground yourself into this session? And then how can you, you know, take care of yourself after? And for the folks that I know would be really open to it, I talked to them about, have you ever thought about an erotic altar? Have you ever thought about mm-hmm. e- even like, even if you don't want a whole setup, but like bringing a few items to session that help you connect to yourself help you connect to your sensuality, like bring those to session as like aids with you or like as a reminder of what you're here for and like something to connect to, something to assist you. And 
I don't know. I just really love when we can get into that work and that's not for everyone and that's okay, but it does make mm-hmm. those sessions really special when I can. Wow. That's so interesting. Do you, do you have some advice for people who kind of, that is, um, that's of interest to them? What you just talked about, they're like, oh, I would like to maybe begin uh, exploring that. Is there like, what would be a place to start um, bringing that kind of connection between spirituality and like, mm. and pleasure? Yeah. Um, Where do you even start? That's such a good question. I mean, I, the book, the book I always recommend is Audre Lorde's book, um, Sister Outsider, and specifically the chapter Uses of the Erratic. Um, That's, I think that's just where it all started for me, was understanding how big this is and like what the deep connections are and seeing all of this is very intertwined was really, really foundational for me. So I say start there. That's a good one. There's also lots of other good books like Pleasure Activism that are a lot more modern and not as binary in their language just because they're written decades later. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also just think that if folks, you know, maybe don't want more of that educational piece of like reading, Mm -hmm. um, just to get to know yourself a little better. Whenever I teach erotic altar workshops, the I don't jump into like, okay, this is what you do to set up an altar. This is what you can do to build. This is what you put on it. I start with what, who are you? Because your altar is going to be a reflection of you and also a space where you find more truths about yourself. So you have to know you first. So how can you deconstruct the idea of intimacy? So understanding that like how intimacy can play a part in all areas of your life, not just sex, which is where we typically learn that. How can you work on platonic intimacy? How can you work on intimacy with yourself? How can you be very connected with the natural elements around you, whether that's the plants in your house or the park near your house, or if you live near a body of water, even if it's like a little pond or a river, like how can you start to see the connection between yourself in multiple things around you? How can you see yourself reflected in the things around you? Get to know yourself in more personal, intimate, deep ways. And I think that will set people up better if they did want to have any sort of, you know, altar practice or just erotic practice in general. Can I ask you, what is on your altar? I actually don't have a very specific altar right now. I go through phases and I really like that because it's not just this like, you know, one version of something and it's static and all is always the same. So my, my kind of version of my erotic altar is merged with my ancestral altar at the moment. I used to have one that was specific to me and I would have it on the windowsill. I had a scarf as like the bottom layer that was given to me by a friend that I really love. I made sure I had all of the natural elements on the altar. And then I had things that reminded me of me so I had a picture of like me when I was younger and then a picture of myself now that I really love and then items would always shift so sometimes there was a lot of sex toys on the altar if I felt like that was how I was connecting to myself when I wasn't masturbating as much and I'm like that's not really important to me right now then maybe I would put a journal on there because writing was how I connected to myself sometimes it's fresh flowers sometimes it's a bracelet that I really love that reminds me of like a, a moment or a memory. So it just depends. But like at the moment it's, it's very merged into my ancestral altar. So I have, you know, a candle that I really love on there for me. I have oils that I love um, and then rotate the fresh flowers right now. But yeah, right now it's kind of, it's kind of yeah. in flux. Thank you for sharing. That's really cool. I love that idea of, um, you know, uh, transitioning like from different items and things like that. Like it doesn't have to be this static thing that defines you because guess what? Every day is a different day and we're, we're different mm-hmm. every day. We feel different every day. So I like that you're like, yeah, there was like, six toys there at one point and then like, there was a, you know, we moved on and focused somewhere else. So then yeah. I changed my altar accordingly. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. Speaking of like ancestral altar, um, I know that you, is this true? You have other pleasure mentors in your own family lineage? Oh, I have a, so I mean, what however someone else would define like pleasure whoever I just call them like pleasure activists yeah I think of someone who is a pleasure activist in my lineage as someone who was breaking the molds of what was supposed to be possible Mm. someone who was talking about things that they weren't supposed to talk about that really bettered themselves or other people 
And I think I have a lot of those, especially on my dad's side of mm-hmm. the family. He is actually a pleasure activist to me. He is the first and most prominent person that I talked to and about sex with growing up. Really? He, yeah, he was very, 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 it was, he was so adamant on it. He, I think it, it, it came from his own trauma. I don't think he would name that, but I know that, yeah. that he was very adamant of talking to me about what is consensual and non-consensual from a very young age. He quotes all the time that he never wanted there to be a moment where I could look back in my memory and not, and and see a time where we didn't talk about sex. So when I was little, like he was talking to me about like, this is what this body part is called. This is what this called. We didn't do any kind of like code words. He was like, no, I need you to know what this is called. Also, I need you to know like other people should not be, you know, touching you in this way. This is like, it's okay if you do this and you're allowed to do what you want. But like, you know, very much talk to me about consent and like the age dynamics of like the people in my life of like who should be seeing what. And he would always, you know, then when I got a little older, like junior high and high school, the conversation switched to, you know, you're allowed to do whatever you want as long as you own it. He was like, you know, I I don't judge anyone who does anything as long as people are consenting that are involved and if they can own what they do like they should be allowed to do what they want and he was pretty honest with me about like what sex may or may not be like now he definitely he is a cis straight man so there's definitely some messaging that he gave me that I'm unlearning to this day but for his identities I think he was most certainly a pleasure activist where he was he was just open he was like you know if if you can be mature enough to talk to me about this, then I'm sure you're mature enough to be having sex. And if you're not, then like maybe you're not actually ready because I want you to be safe. So we we had a lot of conversations and he got that from his mother who was super open about sex, even, you know, with her sons, with her daughters and, you know, or one daughter. And he would go to her all the time and be like, oh, so-and-so told me this. Is this true? And she'd be like, no, don't listen to your friends. That's not true. They will steer you wrong. This is the correct information. And so I think I have a lot of pleasure activists in my family. And then I also say that because I had a lot of sex workers in my family lineage. So it also does not surprise me that I ended up doing the work that I did. So I just... I don't know. There's a lot of like rich, juicy history there that I'm like, yeah, this, this, this was laid out for me. I didn't just choose this. There was people before me that chose this for me too. Wow. That's so amazing. Thanks so much for telling me about that. That is just so cool. It it just sounds like, um, started early and never stopped having the conversation and, you know, uh, just whatever was age appropriate at the time, you know, just having new conversations, new things that like are starting to come up. And that just sounds so fucking fabulous. Like fucking good on your dad. (laughs) He was actually truly the, the, the image of like age appropriate sex education. He yeah. was, he was pretty, like, now that I Sounds think about like it, cause it. I, I didn't have that language then, but I'm like, Oh yeah, we did. You know, we, we only talked about this when it was, you know, when I brought it up or like when we mm. would see it on TV or when it was just, you know, more a part of conversation with my friends and then we would talk about it, but not mm. before that. And yeah, it was very cool. I, I owe a lot of that to him. Yeah. And that's so amazing that like, you know, you could, you know, hear some bullshit from your friend and bring it to him <laughs> and he could, he would be like, no, <laughs> Listen, yeah. no, no, don't, don't, <laughs> don't like look for sex education among, among your friends, your peers. Yes. <laughs> when you're like, you know, 15. <laughs> like Exactly. No. <laughs> there are reasons that it's good to talk about that stuff with each other, but you know, mm-hmm. don't let it be your only educational source. Please. Oh, please love that for you. Right. Dad. <laughs> yes. Okay, Kiana, I hate to say we're at the end of our hour. We um, are, and it went by so fast. Oh my God, so fast. It was such a good conversation. Thank you so much. Can we tell the people um, if we are interested in pleasure coaching, pleasure mentoring, yeah. all of the lovely things you do, where can we uh, find and follow you and book you? For sure. Um, personally, my Instagram is at healing is imperfect. Um, I don't do like a ton of formal education on there, but there's, there's, there's a little sprinkled in, but I also, um, you can find me on the at queer sex therapy page on Instagram. That's where I do education more formally. And so I work at the expansive group, which is the company that started the queer sex therapy page. And that is where I do 
mentoring. If you're, I mean, if you're not looking for a coach and you're looking for a therapist, there's also plenty of therapists who have openings that are really fucking amazing. Like I have the best colleagues ever. So if you're looking for like queer affirming, trans affirming, kink affirming, non-monogamy affirming folks and like really want that space and haven't found that in your therapeutic practice yet, I would highly suggest looking at who has openings. Um, But yeah, if you're looking for someone who's more short term than a therapist and you want something who, you know, somewhere to go, we're going to work on specific goals that have to do with pleasure, then yeah, I have about two openings left at the moment and I have a wait list constantly and I love to work with folks who are black indigenous people of color if you need sliding scale options so that's that's always an option so you can reach out to me at kiana k-i-a-n-a at the expansive group.com if you have any questions about or inquiries about booking amazing yeah uh if anyone uh that is listening follows my instagram uh the bedpost show instagram i uh share the queer sex therapy stuff constantly (laughs) in my stories so (laughs) that might that name might sound a little familiar to you so yeah yeah (laughs) okay let me think for me yes i'm the most uh active on twitter so that would be at the lady pim one that's my pro dom twitter uh instagram yes bedpost uh show on um for the podcast and then at the lady pim is my uh pro dom insta we have a patreon it is the bedpost show we have a youtube channel it is also the Bedpost Show. And mm. also, I never like to go an episode without thanking the lovely lady who does all the original music for the podcast. She's Stephanie Copeland, and she can be found at stephcopelandmusic.com. Kiana, you have been so absolutely fantastic as a guest. Thank, Thank you, you so, so, so much. It's so awesome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Oh my God, appreciate you too. And I hope everyone else appreciates this lovely episode we, we just gave you. We will see you next week with another fun and sexy guest here in the studio talking about sex and sexuality. Until then, get fucked, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.